This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, we'll welcome Jennifer McCracken back to our show. Jennifer is an insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions, and will join us to take your calls and help sort out all those bills that have been arriving over the last few weeks. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. BC's Attorney General David Eby made a very blunt statement this week before announcing a new addition to ICBC. He said, and I quote... I think it's no secret that many British Columbians simply don't trust ICBC. And that is a problem. Close quote. No kidding. EB then went on to announce the new Fairness Office to improve transparency and accountability, which will be opened by next spring. That's 2021. And the Fairness Officer will be appointed by Cabinet. Here's EB's bottom line. Quote, with the change, British Columbians have, can have confidence that the Fairness Office has greater independence from ICBC and has the impartial authority to review the fairness of their situation with the ability to make recommendations to ICBC. And one noteworthy change, and this matters, will be for those who are injured and qualify. Uh, ICBC will offer pre litigation payments up front now without the need to waive the ability to sue if they so choose. Because up until now, if a person decided to take ICBC settlement, they had to agree not to seek any more through the courts. EB says this change could help those injured keep more of their settlement too, as legal fees can total as much as 33% of the total. So that's the Fairness Office. Don't hold your breath. Spring 2021. Under an agreement announced yesterday, a Montreal group led by two billionaires, Lawrence Stroll and André Demeray, will inject $316 million to acquire up to 20% in the struggling car company Aston Martin, as it's a part of its plan to raise over $850 million. Stroll, who built his fortune through investments in fashion brands like Pierre Cardin, Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, will become chairman of Aston Martin, founded in 1913 and famous, of course, for those Bond movies. By the way, there will be four new Aston Martins in the new Bond movie next year. With the investment, the Racing Point F1 team, which uh, Stroll just happened to buy last year, will adopt the name Aston Martin F1 racing team next year and coincidentally Mr. Stroll's son Lance all of 21 just happens to be an F1 racing car driver and daddy just bought a company how does that work out huh we'll keep an eye on this story by the way Aston Martin Having a tough year, stock shot up 19% the morning after this announcement came up. And from our Here We Go Again file, this news, there will be two information meetings next week, which will give Richmond and Delta residents the chance to learn more about the new George Massey Crossing Project and Highway 99 improvements. The first of the two sessions at the Richmond Oval next Wednesday, Feb 5. The second session at the Coast to Wasson Inn in Delta. 
Delta the following evening, Thursday, February 6th. Both sessions, 4 to 7 p.m. There'll be drop-ins, anyone welcome. The sessions will provide results of work done to date and the next steps for selecting a preferred long-term. Ministry staff will be there to answer questions. And of course, the big question is, what are you going to do? I lived in White Rock for several decades and drove through that blankety-blank tunnel every day, and I'm almost at the point of accepting things will never change. So perhaps these meetings will persuade some drivers to the contrary. Find out for yourself Wednesday at the Richmond Oval or Thursday at the Coast to Wasson Inn in Delta. That's a chance to at least get a, an idea of what these people are up to. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have a few more for you later in the hour, but coming right up, we want to welcome back insolvency trustee Jennifer McCracken from BDO First Call Debt Solutions here to take your calls and offer some practical remedies for debt problems. And boy, do Canadians have debt problems. Lots more on this coming right up. Stay with us. Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Welcome back to the program on a sunny Saturday afternoon, uh, people are driving around and going on SkyTrain and looking out the windows and squinting. What is that weird thing? You know that Jennifer McCracken is back from BDO Debt Solutions. Be first call Debt Solutions. Pardon me. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you with us. And uh, we always get right into the, the meat of the matter. And yes. here we are. Uh, it's The end of January was yesterday. And by the end of Dan- January, typically most of the expenses we incur pre and during holidays have pretty much been itemized, put in an envelope and sent to us. We've pretty much got all those bills by now, haven't we? Yes, we have. Absolutely. So some folks may respond to those bills differently. So we obviously encourage you to open up the mail and read um, if you don't, if you didn't actually tally for yourself uh, mm-hmm. what you were spending. Um, no, precisely right. This is sort of, this is the time where, this is the time of year of resolutions, right? So we make all these resolutions in the new year and financial resolutions are included in that, right? Oh, in sure. addition to your fitness and everything else. Well, and, and But New Year's resolutions, as we all know far too well, um, the majority of them slip through the cracks and never get observed. And so. Apparently, they, they slip through the cracks as early as February. Well, that's right. right? Especially, those, barely a month. especially those gym ones. Because <laughs> yeah, right. you go to the gym, you try to do right. stuff that you shouldn't. You hurt yourself and go, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> that's so, right. That's easy. But on in terms of debt and organizing one's life, and you know, at the beginning of a new year, people do do try to resolve things and go, look, uh, it's just, it's not been working properly the last mm-hmm. few years. So why in 2020 don't we just take stock of things and try a new, a new approach, mm-hmm. a new take on managing our money? Uh, but if you treat that as a New Year's resolution rather than a year-long financial plan, you're setting yourself up for failure or am I making too much of that? No, you're, you've like took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what we're encouraging people to do. Don't treat your finances as a resolution. Okay. okay. So yes, we want you to work towards paying off your holiday debt and we can talk about tips on how to do that. Sure. Uh, but and really, it's not a bad thing to want to get yourself organized. Absolutely. And in theory, a lot of folks, well, we know we talked earlier before the show started about the, the issue with debt across Canada. So a lot of folks probably already had debt and maybe the debt's higher now that those bills have come sure. in in January. So Yes, make that financial plan now. Have a have a financial plan for the year. So that includes, you know, calculating your income, totaling up your debt, building up a budget, checking your budget monthly. But there's also other little things you can do. I always encourage my clients at the beginning of the new year, or at least 
like once a year when you're setting your plan, whatever time of year you typically right. do that. Your anniversary date, whatever your that may be. Your anniversary date of your, your financial anniversary date. Sure, sure. Uh, to get a copy of your credit report from both the credit bureaus. Take stock of the other financial uh, contracts in your life. So whether it's your your finance agreements for your vehicles, your insurance coverage. Uh, one thing we talk about a lot now is subscription creep. So during the year, did you inadvertently sign up for you know renewal payments on things like a, 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 a streaming platform for a television services? All right, sure. Yeah. For you know your gym membership, go through your statements and total. What are some of the automatic withdrawals coming out of my bank account? Sure. Can I cancel any of those subscriptions? I mean, we keep talking about the gym, but I mean that is one. Mm-hmm. If you can get out of a gym membership that you're not using, right. Why are you continuing to pay it? You know, look at all those things. If and, on the other hand you are using the gym membership, for you. keep it up, keep, keep it, it up, up. and, and you know, make room in your budget for if it. If you're just letting the money literally uh, evaporate, mm-hmm. that's silly. Yeah, and look at can I bundle services to reduce expenses? So you know, build focus on the debt. Yes, we need to pay down the holiday debt. We have to address what we're going to do next year in the holidays to avoid going into debt. But in addition to that, let's plan for the year. Mm-hmm. And how do we start, right? And so those are all things that I encourage my clients to do. And um, a lot of my clients that find themselves in financial difficulty and end up doing a proposal or bankruptcy with me, that's one of the changes they actually integrate into their life. They integrate uh, these behaviors where they're checking their credit reports, sure. where they're really cognizant around, what am I spending for you what subscriptions have I signed up for? And um, it's a real common thing now that subscriptions with automatic payments now, a lot of things you can do now through these automated payments. Well, it, really used to be, it used to be a, you had a Netflix charge of what, $9.99 right. a month. Well, now there's what, half a dozen streaming services, I all know. of which are about 15 bucks a and month. Let's so do there's, the trial. There's, do uh, the trial for 30 days and sure. you're automatically billed. And you, and you think, oh, well, you know, I'll try it for three days. Then I'll remember to cancel this. I'll diarize my calendar. Nobody does. Nobody, Nobody does. Nobody does that. So, right? okay. And all of that stuff really does add up if you're, if you're not paying attention. And I think a lot of these services... Count on you not paying attention. Oh, come on. It's 13 bucks a month. Who cares? Oh, 100%. And it's funny. I had a client that said to me, oh, I was reviewing my statements and I realized I had an Am- two Amazon charges. They had inadvertently signed up for the American Amazon version. Didn't realize six months later, they were able to get the money refunded. But that's precisely what it is, is that, we, you know, obviously the other takeaway is review your statements every month. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're making these changes, it's really important to review the transactions. And if you're not getting statements... Review it on your phone because, you know, most of us have the banking apps on our phone. Make a point of looking through the transactions on your accounts just to make sure that they're all valid. And that's a way to make sure you're sticking on the plan of your budget that you've set for yourself for the year. You mentioned uh, the tra- the uh, credit credit rating companies, uh, yeah. Equifax, and uh, the other one is TransUnion. TransUnion. Um, they, Equifax particularly, because you, you're back with us again. So you've been doing this with me uh, for a, a year or more. And I can recall last year, mid-year, Equifax making a prediction about how last year was going to end. And by gosh, they were bang on. And not in a good way either. So give us the background of that one. Because I remember you telling us what they were predicting was coming. That's right. So it was around the change of the interest rates. Because of course, Equifax measures delinquency rates. They measure debt levels for Canadians. They, They have all this information at their fingertips. So there was a prediction that The impact of an interest, a rise in interest rates, it's not as though we're going to see a spike in insolvency filings the month following. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a, it's like a slippery slope. You're going to see the change and the impact over a period of time. So there was a prediction that there would be an increase in insolvency filings at the end of 2019 and early 2020. 
Okay. And we, in fact, we did see that. So we can see that based on the 12 month average going back right now, 12 months from now, sure. uh, we've seen on an increase across Canada. We know in BC, for instance, there's been about a 10% increase, but most remarkable in the stats is that in October of 2019, there was a, a decade record broken for the number of insolvency filings across Canada. We last had, October. Last October, we okay. had over 13,000 insolvency filings in this country. In one month. In one month. We're not a very big country. I mean, we're the second largest on earth, but we're only 35 million people. There's not less than California, for crying out loud. And, and oh, and by the way, and this is not something to brag about for such a small population, but in addition to the, these, uh, one more number for the conversation, that we're a trillion dollars in debt. Canadians, these 35 million of us, crazy people, Mm -hmm. with credit cards and mortgages, we combined are now over $1 trillion Mm -hmm. in personal household debt. Oh, we surpassed countries, I know. The governor of the Bank of Canada has been warning us about this for the last couple of years. We seem to blithely ignore. And you told me just before we started, the number used to be $1.63, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. For every dollar you made, you owed $1.63. That number has changed and gone up to what now? It's $1.63. 76 cents. Wow. Of, and this is your disposable income. So you think, this? is there any wonder or question why we're seeing issues with affordability? You know, we did that affordability index that you and I talked about uh, another time we were on the show. And we found that across Canada, over 50% of Canadians are reporting that they live paycheck to paycheck. Yes, yes. And this is precisely why. Right, because having high levels of debt impacts your ability to meet basic needs. I mean, obviously, there's other issues with affordability around housing mm-hmm. and, and living in expensive and cities. And don't we know about that in Vancouver? Yeah, I mean, hello, we were we're well aware of that here. And so, you know, the numbers are the the numbers. It's really important that across this country, but specifically the listeners to the show, really think through what is the amount that I owe? What is the level of debt? And what do I plan to do to get out of debt? Mm-hmm. And how is this going to impact my finance, my my financial future? So um, CIBC this year, 10 years in a row, the number one new resolution, financial resolution, has been paying down debt. Again, yes. this year it was paying down debt. Okay. Do you know what the, the fourth on the list was? 8% polled said that they are concerned about being able to save for retirement. So one thing I talk about to my clients is that it doesn't, you know, when you're on a plan to pay off debt, whether it's in a bankruptcy or a proposal or even outside that, so you just, you have your own plan sure. to pay off debt, you've got to integrate a savings piece for that. Any sound financial plan is going to include paying down your debt and having a provision to save money because the affordability index shows that when we live paycheck to paycheck, which is an issue across the country, we also aren't saving money. Mm. So let's think about what are we, is our life going to look like in retirement? And what save, is Canada going to look like? And, and saving money doesn't necessarily mean putting it in an account that pays you less than the, the rate of inflation either. It means mm. setting aside perhaps in a an investment uh, mm. format or something, but you're dedicating money to the future. It doesn't have to sit and gather dust. Mm-hmm. It can go make money for you, but it's the notion mm-hmm. of planning for the future and setting aside. We used to call that savings. In, in Canadian savings rate is what, close to zero right now? I, you know, I actually don't have stats particular on that, but I can, t- I can tell you based on what I see in my practice, and mm-hmm. most people I meet do not have savings unless it's something through a, a pension through their employer. Of course. So it, it is very common. And the other piece of the sound financial plan that we're hoping all the listeners are going to be setting for themselves after hearing us talk um, is actually setting in a continuous contingency plan. So a good financial plan, in addition to having savings, is going to have a contingency plan for emergencies. Yeah. So that's also, we talk about savings, we talk about saving for retirement, but we also talk about that emergency fund. 
and the, again, back to these stats and, and uh, uh, gathering of information that happens at the end of every year. And you were talking about a CIBC research poll and so on. And they talk about uh, a savings rates and percentages of people, uh, uh, these sorts of things. Um, more of us every year are... Um, I guess just sort of behind it just it gets becomes more and more difficult and yet as we recognize we're kind of losing ground we also recognize that maybe maybe there should be a plan here uh, and you're right it doesn't have to to get to the point where you need to see a, an insolvency trustee and and go to those extreme remedies necessarily mm-hmm. but a plan of some kind. So I want to talk to you for a second about consolidation, mm-hmm. because that's something a person can do by him or herself. Mm-hmm. If you've got, you know, umpteen credit cards and high interest bearing accounts right. that are, are just killing you with interest, 19, 20% for crying out loud. Uh, if you can uh, gather all of that into one pool and service a, at a reasonable rate of interest, it seems on the surface of things to make a great deal of sense. Absolutely. And the other part of that, I mean, you've hit on the few points as to why it makes sense financially for someone to do it, but it also means they have one payment. Exactly. Right. As opposed to the six that are coming out automatically and, you know, I've got to track to make sure there's money in the account because this comes out this date, that comes out that date. You're based, you're building in simplicity to your budget. You can line it up to a paycheck. You can line that payment up to a time where you know there's going to be money in that account. And the other thing with uh, a consolidation loan is if you set it by term, it has an end date. Mm -hmm. You know when you're going right. to, I, I can predict the date that I'm going to be debt free because I know when that term, that term is going to end. And then the, the part that I, uh, when I meet people that where I refer them out to pursue the consolidation loan option, because of course, as a trustee, I'm obligated to review the statutory and non-statutory. So when I meet somebody that doesn't need my help, it's okay. Happy dance. You don't need to worry about sure, doing a bankruptcy exactly. or a proposal. Like, yeah. some things aren't there. That's a good news story. It's a good news story. You, you can go pursue what your options are in terms of getting a consolidation loan. But I always encourage them to think about the smart financial financial goals. So when when um, they're working with the bank on the term, you know, the, the monthly amount, anytime you're setting a financial goal for yourself, you you know, that acronym SMART that says, you know, it's, it's specific, you know, it's attainable. And in solvency, we say the reasonableness is the most important. Is it a reasonable goal that you can afford in your budget? You know, if your consolidation loan calls for a payment that's 40% of your income, I would discourage mm-hmm. that. That's I would right. say you may want to extend that term. So that's the one thing I encourage folks with the consolidation loan is review the monthly payment, review the interest rate, and is it a smart financial goal? Is it reasonable? Is it timely? Is it attainable that I could manage this over a period of time? Only a minute before okay. we go go to the news break, but, but, but very quickly on this same consolidation theme, mm. there is, I think, uh, suppose now you owe 20 grand and you go and you're looking at uh, cars and trucks and somebody says, uh, you know, we'll sell you this and uh, if you have any outstanding debts, we'll just roll that into the price of the car and you, you don't have any more debts. You just got one payment to make. Uh, how realistic or practical is that approach? Uh, you know, you've hit on something that I see a lot in my practice. You, you would, it would be jaw-dropping for you, Sterling, if you could see the value of vehicles, whether it's a truck or a car, versus what is owed for the financing on it. It yeah. is extremely common that prior balances on finance loans are rolled into a new finance loan, such the, the point where 
I about a month and a half ago, I had a, a client in that owed ninety thousand dollars on a vehicle that was worth forty eight thousand dollars. Oh boy! And so that is crippling to your budget. So again, this goes back to actually what other piece I, I should have mentioned with the resolution is financial literacy. Learn to read the contract. Know, understand what you're signing, and that is very important to ensure that you don't get caught up in a contract like that that you can't afford or maybe it's against your rights. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight. I've had my turn. Now it's yours. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight. The lines are open to Jennifer McCracken, Senior Manager and Insolvency Trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions after the news. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. In the sunshine on a Saturday afternoon, I'm Sterling Fox. Jennifer McCracken is a senior manager and licensed insolvency trustee. We just heard you in the commercial there. L-I-T, that's you, a licensed insolvency trustee. More than 20 years experience in the business with BDO First Call Debt Solutions, one of Canada's largest and longest serving debt solution firms. We did open the phone lines, Jennifer, and uh, we've got Ron, who's been waiting through the news uh, in Burnaby to ask a question. Ron, thanks for your patience, sir. Good afternoon. Well, thanks for taking my call, Sterling. You're welcome. Um, uh, like I, I told, uh, uh, I think it's Matt. No, it's Andrew. Uh, oh, it's Andrew. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Andrew. Um, I've had this uh, thing burning uh, in the back of my brain for the last uh, two years. Uh, I paid my truck off, okay? But uh, I was supposed to be at 5.9% and uh, a $2,500 buyout. And uh, when I turned around to uh, the buyout, all of a sudden it was like 9600 bucks, and I had to refinance for an additional two years. Uh, I went through a... At presumably a, a higher rate of interest than the 5.9 you've been used to paying, well, too. That's what I don't know. Okay. Because, uh, because the uh, agency that uh, sold me the truck, and I won't mention their name. Thank you. They're one of your advertisers. Uh, said uh, nothing. And uh, it was like a slam in my face uh, when I went to go. I walked in there with twenty uh, four hundred and change in cash, and they said, "Oh, oh, oh uh, no, you don't own the truck yet." And uh, I, I screwed up a little bit uh, towards the end of the lease. Uh, did they just jump my interest rate? Ah. I don't know. Jennifer, that sounds fairly arbitrary. Uh, Jennifer has a, has a bit of a frown on her face because I, I don't think all of the facts are, are where they, they could be, but help us out as best you can. Yeah, absolutely. So I, what I would um, encourage um, you to look at is there may have been provisions in your agreement about mileage, about a certain maintenance uh, time frame so that you, know, you have to have the vehicle serviced every year or every six months. And, and so there will be... Uh, a parameter set within the contract in terms of what um, must be done to maintain the vehicle or what additional charges can entail mm-hmm. um, at the end of the term. So right. if you've gone over mileage or... And that's know, where they get you mostly and, on a lease. Yeah, so, yeah. so there is a buyout. And we get outside of the contract, yes, there'll be a buyout amount. And so, you know, there's the... If it's a lease, you know, it's it's they'll, they'll set out sort of the financing side of what the total cost will be. And then the buyout is sort of the chunk, the lump sum payment at the end. Mm-hmm. But there will be provisions where there can be additional costs. And this is what Ron has discovered. And so this is what he has discovered. And so um, this kind of goes back to reading the fine print, to asking questions. And, and obviously, you know, he can't jump in his time machine and go back and say, when I come back at the end of the term, is, am I only going to have to pay this 2400 or is there going to be some other, potentially some other charges associated with it? But those are really the types Separate of questions charge. to be asking um, because, because that's exactly what can happen is that if you don't understand the terms, they can say, and, and quite frankly, 
you, you may have an ability to pursue and ask questions because um, these types of contracts are actually regulated. So if you weren't given a breakdown as to how that increase at the lump sum payment at the end of your term was calculated, there may be an authority that you can go to to ask to review it. And I certainly in my practice have had questions. Uh, and I actually at the top of my head, I can't remember the authority, the name of the body that governs this, but there I have had questions about finance agreements. So somebody can, a third party can come in and look at that. So. Okay. So Ron may have some recourse yet. So Ron may be worth a bit of a Google search here to find out. Uh, well, my first uh, suggestion would be the Consumer Protection Agency. Okay, for sure, and if they're not the authority, they can tell you who is. It could be the Motor Vehicle Sales Authority. Again, just off the top of my head, I don't remember what it is, but there he may have an ability to have somebody else look in and ensure that his rights weren't infringed upon or there was no sort of consumer protection issue in respect to that contract. Okay, so there's some recourse for you, Ron. Start with the Consumer Protection Agency, and if it turns out they can't help you, they will certainly know who can, and uh, and they'll t- and you can take it from there. Thanks for the call. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about seniors, uh, because uh, there were, I'm seeing statistics that go, you told us about a record number of insolvencies across Canada, as predicted a year before, that happened in October. Uh, and so part of these rising numbers include because uh, uh, financial problems cross all spectrums, all socioeconomic groups, all genders, the whole bit. And we're, we're hearing that seniors are one particular demographic group, Jennifer, that mm-hmm. are finding themselves to, in many cases, they're very much their surprise mm-hmm. behind the financial eight ball when they've had time and one would think uh, room in their lives to plan that, you know, life catches up and gets in the way and uh, we talked earlier about contingency funds and 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 the notion that there should be so, always some pool of money to to bail out any emergency. And in the case of seniors, you should think, well, no, all the more reason that to know about contingency funds. But are there rising numbers in terms of uh, uh, bankruptcy issues and delinquency issues specifically with seniors? There isn't. I can talk specifically about the delinquency because the Equifax report we talked about earlier actually did show as well that there's an increase in debt for seniors. So the average senior for non-mortgage debt, okay. so 65 or older, um, is $16,000. And then we also did, see, so that was actually, by the way, an increase in debt from the last measure. So it went up almost 3% from mm-hmm. the last time it was measured. And then we also saw that the delinquency rates for seniors went up uh, almost 9%. So yes, to answer your question, seniors are filling the pinch just as much as, you know, the Gen Xers and, and the other, you know, and the boomers and wherever else. They are, the other thing I think about as a senior is that if you haven't saved for retirement, and I can say, I was talking about my grandma, you know, generationally, previously, people really were savers. Oh, they absolutely. understood that. And Canadians were notoriously good savers, Really too. great savers. And so, you know, somebody could live into their 80s and 90s and still have, have they're living off of the CPP, the OAS, and maybe they had a pension through, you know, if they were a teacher or whatever, they mm-hmm. have a pension. And if they're dipping into the savings to cover expenses, but they were able to really make ends meet and kind of live comfortably. Where we're seeing a difference now is I have seniors in my practice that they don't have pensions other than CPP, Old Age Security, GIS, and there's no savings. Mm -hmm. And so that's the issue. And they are needing to supplement their income, the fixed income, with credit. And that's the issue. And the debt loads are not staggering. Right. But, you know, any amount of money you're spending on paying debt is taking away. So it becomes this vicious cycle. And I think the longer we we keep having the discussion around that Canadians are not saving money, let's just fast forward 20, 30, 40 years from now, and we will have a generation of Canadians that have no savings. 
And that is, well, right? we're, we're darn close to it already. Well, exactly. We, again, the CIBC poll, only 8% said saving for retirement was a priority. And so that's where, but I was saying earlier, is that your financial plan, yes, debt reduction is very key. Obviously, I think, you know, reducing the level of debt in Canada, reducing your personal debt level should absolutely be a financial priority. But don't ever for a second say that savings is not a priority in your budget. You have to pay yourself first. Every debt plan, every debt repayment plan should also have a savings provision in there. Talk to us a little bit about something called the financial goal calculator. This is something, mm-hmm. this is that, that a person can access and plug mm-hmm. in a few numbers and get a kind of a bigger picture look at mm-hmm. where where this plan might take me if right. I actually follow through on it. So I think you're talking about the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada yeah, that has that. Yeah, yeah and so there, and there's that is an agency, an arm of the government that has fantastic financial resources. So again, we're talking about financial literacy. Learning we're, about money and how to manage it. Yeah, that's a New Year's resolution, right? Just like, you know, people have a book list of, I'm going to read these 10 books. Or see these movies. movies. Put a financial book or some financial research in there. So whether you want to know about investing, whether it's the financial plan calculator, um, for folks dealing with debt, and I could say most Canadians have debt or carrying debt, Mm -hmm. their calculators will show you how long it will take for you to pay off debt at the interest rates. Ah. So if you're going to go for that consolidation loan that you and I talked about, again, go in prepared, understand, you know, how what is my minimum payment going to be with this level of debt? or if it's with this interest rate. It gives you all those tools. And I would encourage folks to go to our website as well at bdo.debtsolutions.ca. We've got a lot of tools like that available too. So it's, you know, it's about improving your financial knowledge, taking using the resources, by the way, that are free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to pay anything to get access to this information. That's right. And again, it's it's all about becoming a little more in charge. Exactly. The more you assume responsibility for your money and managing it, the likelihood that you're going to manage it better Mm -hmm. is almost automatic. So it's not the resolution that falls off it's two months into the year, right? right? It's, right. It's, you're integrating it into your life in a real way. And so it's it's building the budget. It's, it's really, it's the simple things that we're talking about. But, and you want to build, it's almost like a snowball that, you know, it's gathering snow and that's really what you want to think about your financial life. So whether it's paying down the debt, building up the savings plan, all the stuff that we're talking about, incre- increasing your knowledge. And, um, you know, if, if you have an ability to, if you have that ability um, to do that research and get that understanding, then you're all the more better when you're walking into the bank or the finance company, whether it's for the vehicle loan or the mortgage or, or whatever other financial you know instrument you're looking at, you have awareness and the knowledge and you know what your rights are and you know what you're signing and you know what questions to ask. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, following up on the whole matter of the consolidation loan, sort of time to take charge and right. you know put yourself into a better position, package yourself up in a way that you can give yourself a maximum advantage of, of putting things one payment a month rather than nine right. for openers is already more manageable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when, though, Jennifer, do you get to the point where you're trying to do it yourself? You're actually trying to get this thing in order. And it's just a hairy, wild, crazy financial beast that's about to get out of control. Where does Where's that line where a person should go? You know, it's getting a little crazy. I should probably sit down with a pro and talk this through. You know, that's a great question because a lot of times when I'm doing presentations to people and talk about debt and talk about financial difficulty, there there actually is a, a typical kind of roadmap that a lot of people follow before I get a chance to meet with them. And sure. they will do the budgetary stuff you and I are talking about. Mm-hmm. Like they, they will go to a bank and attempt to get a consolidation. Yep. A lot of times clients that I meet with have been turned down. Right. They've been refused for that mm-hmm. long. But obviously, it's a great starting point to say, look, I'm going to try to avoid an insolvency filing. 
and finance this out and also pay back the debt in full, right? The idea is, you know, a lot of people feel obviously a very strong sense of responsibility that they're going to pay it off out of their own income. Um, when that doesn't work, sometimes folks will look to the debt management programs where, again, the con- they're contemplating paying the debt off in full. Where you see the impact in the ability to pay it back is that there's a change to the interest rate. So if, if all of the, the credit companies agree to be a part of the plan, they'll freeze the interest rate. And, uh, you know, uh, they'll, the payment plan is typically over five years. Again, you're paying back the debt in full. That type of plan will have an impact to your credit rating. Sure. But the idea is... All I needed was to just reduce that interest rate. If I could just pay back the principal, I could really make that work in my budget. Where that plan is not achievable is when uh, somebody has a, a monthly payment within that program that's maybe, say, 500 700 a month, and their take-home pay is $2,000. It's a disproportionate sure. amount of money towards a debt repayment. When people find, have already exercised those options, that's when they come see the trustee. I mean, obviously, I encourage folks to see a trustee at the outset, because I have an obligation, if I meet with somebody and I think a consolidation loan is their best option, tell I'll them. tell them that. Sure. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I, this is this is part of my federal license. Right. But it, you know, a lot of folks though will go through that those sort of those echelons and go, okay, I tried to change my yep. budget. I trimmed back my expenses. I went to the bank. I was declined. I went and saw a credit counselor group and tried to do a management program that didn't work. Now I'm here to see you. And and that also was helpful for me to know because then it also I also know, okay, well if you really have tried all those things, that's great. You had the knowledge to do yeah. that. You knew where the resources were. You tried. But it does put us more squarely in the realm of, okay, so what does a proposal look like for you? What does a bankruptcy look like? And what's the difference? Take a minute, if you would, please. Absolutely. So, because what's the difference between a consumer proposal? And I think we kind of understand bankruptcy. It's the, literally the end of the world as we know it in our lives, personally. <laughs> At least that's, the, that's a big black thing out there. Short of that is a consumer proposal. Explain the difference between the two sure. and how horrible bankruptcy actually isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Hubert, I was gonna, I was gonna actually get on that. So thank you for putting that in there. Uh, no, consumer proposal is the alternative to bankruptcies under the same federal statute, and it is a plan for an individual to to pay to negotiate a settlement with their creditors. Typically, we're negotiating with unsecured creditors. So you think about credit card debt, lines of credit, um, bank loans. Uh, Does can, the revenue department get counted? In absolutely, that? Okay. the Canada Revenue it's Agency. Back taxes. Okay. So uh, and, and uh, a lot of times we're working with uh, business owners as well. So we do see different types of uh, debt relating to businesses. And it's a plan to, we put a negotiation forward to the creditors. The trustee is doing those communications directly with the creditors. The benefit is that you get to stay of proceedings, which is the legal protection where it halts the legal actions, it halts the collection activity. You get a chance to breathe and it will typically entail one monthly payment. There's no interest to the amount that's negotiated. And we usually write in a clause that people can pay it back sooner than the five-year term. And so a lot of people like that flexibility. It's different from bankruptcy in the sense that we don't monitor and track income. There's generally no impact to the assets because the assets are maintained and held by the person in the proposal. And so it's a plan that it's a five-year plan. Typically, a lot of my clients end up paying it off sooner. It's more gentle to the credit rating. It stays on for three years after completion. And it's a it's an avenue to avoid a bankruptcy filing and still f- feel the sense of, you know, you're on a plan to be out of, of, of debt and pay off your debt. And you're, you're making a fair offer to your creditors. So a lot of folks really, they, they the, the guilt that they feel around their debt, you know, it's sort of ashwise because they understand, well, no, I'm making a fair sure. proposal. They've accepted yep. it. They've agreed to 
the number through the the negotiations because it's a 51% majority. Mm So 51% or 50.1% more vote in favor of your proposal, it passes, which is why it's so powerful, by the way, because if if you had, it's not like a plan where I have to get consent from every party to the term. So if there's a 20% creditor that says no, but 80% say yes, it will be forced on that creditor. So it is a very powerful proceeding from that standpoint. And um, a lot of folks like the fact that there's there's that relief. Mm -hmm. It's one payment. There's a stay of proceedings. They have that protection in place. And it's, it's a relatively simple process from that standpoint. Bankruptcy is a little bit more different because there is um, an impact p- potentially to assets and there is a financial reporting as part of it. But for a lot of folks I meet, a lot of times the assets are all protected or the financial reporting is really is relatively straightforward. It's something they want to do anyway as part of building out their budget and improving their financial skills. And it is, it isn't as horrible as, um, as the stigma may have been uh, previously or even currently. I, I, I think just having been in the industry for the time I have, I feel like there's less of a stigma. I have a lot of folks that come in that aren't afraid of bankruptcy. And right. I also liken that to the fact that there's lots of resources out there taking away the shame and the, the fear around bankruptcy, which is great. it does provide relief. Oh, it provides that relief. And it is it is the option of last resort. I like to say that to my clients, but but it doesn't mean it's it's a bad option. All right. right? Uh, the website, friends, by the way, Jennifer's uh, of six offices in Metro Vancouver, it's, it's by the eight, way. It's eight, but I guess I'm, I'm doubling up. There's two cities where we have two offices. So I guess six cities, you could say. Okay. <laughs> DebtSolutions.bdo.ca. DebtSolutions, one word, DebtSolutions.bdo.ca. Terrific website, by the way. Thank lots you. of wonderful resources and lots of information on how to contact Jennifer McCracken and her associates across British Columbia and around Metro Vancouver. Eight offices. There's one probably pretty close to where you are. And Jennifer, you're on the road a lot. You go see clients where they we live do, sometimes. exactly. So it's got to be convenient because also we know we don't want any uh, getting financial advice to impact your employment. So yeah, we'll see you around lunch hour. We do evening appointments. We do, you know, we, we accommodate the client schedule. Thanks for coming in. Wonderful to see you, you again. You too. Thank you. My pleasure. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to trustee Jennifer McCracken for returning to our show with all those good tips, tips rather, for dealing with debt. Next week, John Carlson returns with uh, political pressure on the stress test, which is ratcheting up. And he'll, of course, have a fresh look at Metro Vancouver real estate as well. Time for Ask Andrew. Mr. Ferreira, this time around, we want to ask you about the business case for that proposed Surrey-Langley SkyTrain extension. It looks good. The okay. mayor's council uh, approved the at least the uh, the first half of it down to uh, I think it's like one sixtieth Street near Fleetwood. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, this and this is also getting rumblings from the uh, mayor's council on the Broadway subway. Why not just build the whole thing? We're going to have to do it eventually anyway, and if we do it all in one go, it'll be cheaper. Sure. So what they're looking for is another $1.5 billion to commit to the, uh, the Surrey-Langley Skytrain. They've only got about one6 right now, right? and the total cost is just over $3.1 billion. To push it all the way out. Which, in my mind, makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Langley is a city, and you know you are eventually going to have to build that out. Why do it over 30 years when there's going to be, you know... 10 years of construction gripes, and you can just, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and do it all now. So when is the uh, decision or when's the final call going to be made on whether we're going to commit to doing it all at one shot or do it in spurts? 
I'm not sure. That's going to have to be decided on soon. But because uh, they want to really get moving on that after construction starts on the Broadway subway, which is slated to open in 2025. All right, there. If you have a question for Andrew in our Ask Andrew segment, tweet it to us at Van Consumer, or you can send it to me by email to Sterling at CKNW.com. By the way, Shopify, which provides e-commerce platforms for online sales and retail point of sale systems, announced this week it will open a permanent Vancouver office in the Bentall center in Tower 4. While the company already has employees who've been working remotely in our area, the new facility will be all about software development. I mentioned this story to a former colleague over drinks the other night, and when I got to this part, he brightened right up. The office plans to hire a thousand employees, including data engineers, back-end developers, mobile developers, web developers, the list goes on. My friend happens to be interested in a career change, and this is perfect. The Shopify facility will also host technology uh, events free of charge with local people. The office will occupy four floors in the Bentall Tower, and it's set to open late this year. Shopify got started back in 06. Its headquarters are still in Ottawa. No hiring details yet for those thousand jobs, but we will keep you posted because we'll let you know there are other 500 positions already available in this city today. Have a look at the Daily Hive for that one. That is our program for this weekend, the first one of February. Thanks for joining us in the surprise sunshine. It's been quite delightful. Andrew and I hope we have the pleasure of your company again next Saturday at 2, right here on Vancouver Consumer. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.